Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 46, Act 2, Tina La Padula, Warrior Work, recorded September 23rd, 2021. Screaming about a revocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives aloud are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA audience. Welcome to Teaching Artistry Podcast. This podcast is researched, recorded, and produced on the unceded lands, water, and air stewarded by the Canarsie and Muncie Lenape peoples in what is currently known as Brooklyn, New York. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of our global community. Invite your peeps to this community. Let them join. Have them subscribe on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts or you know, we're on Spotify now. We're also, you know, very easy to follow on the Facebook, on the Twitter, and the Instagram. And head over to teachingartistry.org to check out all of these, all of the latest episodes, past episodes, and much, much more. I wanted to share that our good friend of the podcast, Dr. Darrell Cooper, has launched his own podcast called Fluency, where he explores various topics related to art, society, politics, and the universe. And in one of his latest episodes, it features a conversation with Samoa. That's right, me, Courtney J. Body, teaching artistry podcast host, and much, much more. So if you're inclined, check out fluency on apple podcast or spotify and take a listen to that little little jaunt little chatty chat honestly we get real deep we get real deep i don't know how he did it but i share a whole bunch of things that i've never said even on this podcast so have fun um you know in thinking about this uh second part of the our conversation um tina says just like one of the truest statements I have ever heard. And, and I've been thinking that um, Tina is a real prime example of why I have this podcast in the first place. Um, it is a chance for me to learn from people that I admire, people who are doing deep, deep work. And I do. I have lots to learn. As much as I've been in this field, I have so much to learn. And, and um, 
these conversations help me with the, you know, big questions that are swirling around me, things that I'm grappling with. And Tina breaks it down to specific, important elements that should be the foundation of our work in communities. And so I'm going to shut up. I'm going to stop the talking. I'm going to have you start the listening. Here is episode 46, act two, Tina Lapadula, Warrior Work. Teaching artists are always like the way. Always. Oh, always, always. Always. The way. Like, right? So, it's like paying them the as advisors, paying them as lead teachers, yes. paying them yes. as, you know, yeah, the conveners, paying them as the the documenters, paying them Absolutely. as like, yeah. And I know y'all are good at that. Yeah, I think we're good at it, but we can certainly get continue to get better. And there's there's another flip of that because our institution is quite large. How are we? creating more opportunities for better integration into the fuller institution beyond education um, because people are invested like really really invested and ready and want to be a part of you know right that's always the conundrum Mm -hmm. of like cultural institutions that have like a big education wing or education branch like y'all are whereas arts core we were just like all arts education Right. right right it's been it's been interesting i think you know, there are a couple of like sea change things have made it more possible. Um, and it was, it was looking at, uh, it was looking more programmatic for a long time about how we, it was not just that our teaching artists were going into schools, but they were working with our young uh, people that are youth, uh, engaged, our youth core, um, the young people, they're working with our families. They're working with artists now. Like, uh, we have like, a um, an artist, uh, cultivation program and so now our teaching artists are in there doing elements of supporting the artists and wanting to try and create opportunities for feedback in a, in a work in progress moment but also actually mentorship in terms of um, you know you are an artist you may or may not have any skill sets or understanding of how to think about it from the set and, and, and think about this work or the work that you're creating especially if it's made for young people from an educational pedagogy approach, pedagogical approach, which can be varied depending on what your particular goals are and giving them some of those um, strategies. And, um, and now we're, we've got a whole sort of, we're building, we're, there's a lot of building <laughs> that's happening, uh, like a, an EDI ecosystem where it's not just like select people who are interested in this in the organization, but actually I would say I, uh, it's, it's now a part of everybody's job, but I don't know the exact number right now, but I'm going to hazard a guess of about a third or so, or, or, you know, somewhere between like a fourth and a third of the whole institution are involved in these EDI subcommittees that are looking at specific areas and our teaching artists are part of those subcommittees in addition to full-time staff. So there's a lot of different new and more interaction beyond education, which is actually really exciting. It's really exciting. And, you know, teaching artists are paid for that time, of course, but it's been also, you know, there've been some stumbles along the way. It's all been like new and different and people are, you know, constant questions. And the thing that I, I feel that I've, um, I've come to realize more, more fervently is that people asking questions is not a bad thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually like question asking. That's the critical thinking piece. Right. And that can, can, can actually encourage 
innovation if there's the ability to like strip ego away defensiveness away and just hear the question for as a question as opposed to a a finger pointing or or whatever it might come across as whether it's perceived or or not perceived (laughs) but actually just being like yeah just being like oh okay well this creates an opportunity um, and I feel like that's, that's slowly happening more and more. I, I'm talking like more macro than, than on an individual basis, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting, uh, to say the least. And so my conversations with folks like you is helping me also to be a disruptor in those, in that space. Um, and a disruptor, frankly, in my own, like literally in my own head space, <laughs> heart yeah. space, et cetera. I think that like power shapes are changing Mm -hmm. um paradigms are shifting Mm -hmm. um organizations that can you know come together in more circular ways with more shared Mm -hmm. leadership that feel more democratic and autonomous um and can cultivate these sort of like the resilience to give and receive feedback (laughs) um about the hard stuff is like where you know you'll succeed or fail right like because organizations that are able to do that are going to thrive and move forward with like multi-perspectived multi-voiced um you know strategies for all of the the new and old but unresolved shit that needs to be you know changed do you have a, an example, a, a, a potentially an example of both of those types of organizations, one that is is not necessarily creating a more circular leadership? Oh, I think they're everyone that is struggling with like their history um, and has not figured out a way to share power. Um, mm. There's plenty of examples of failing <laughs> organizations. Right. We read about yeah. them because they like, you know, it's like, oh, oh, like, you know, staff is yeah. like, oh, this is happening, you know, like it, it yeah. pops out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot of groups, um, you know, who are, are struggling to like move forward in new shapes and some are resisting that transition and that's hella uncomfortable and others are like much more willing to like get creative and, and, and throw out what was the old and recenter, uh, the language, the narrative and the leadership, um, on, you know, BIPOC folks. Um, yeah. And really, you know, that's a big part of what it takes is is like giving up some historical power that's been there. Um, to bring in uh, new voices and perspectives in a way that's not tokenizing, in a way that's real. Yeah. You know, and real change requires question asking, and real change requires like sloughing off of stuff that no longer serves us, or maybe never served like a, a huge portion mm. of the population. Uh-huh. You know. Oh yeah. So I mean, it. it some of that is ego work. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been. We uh, an episode just came out with um my uh with Kemi Joseph, who is as I have taken on as a 
as an executive coach that has a focus on EDI. And so that's been really helpful to have like somebody to talk to and who can give me some specific tools and things to think about and asks, asks like really big questions that I'm like, wait, you want me to answer that now? I don't know. I don't know. But like somehow they start to like float and get a little bit closer and, and come in. And that's been helpful for me because I think for a couple of reasons, you know, like this is a, this is a random and a, not random, but just sort of like you said historical, like sloughing off his, history. And like I came in, you know, and it, as an associate 18 years ago, and like the foundation was laid for a program that eventually as director, I found ways to sort of continue to, uh, shape and grow. But the basic foundation was exactly the same. And I was, I was, you know, very proud of it and excited about it. Right. And then at a certain point I was realizing, Oh, there's like, this can only go so far. And, and if we do want to change, we have, we have to do this kind of work or we need to, and I don't necessarily have a whole, like a whole arsenal behind me. So I have to do a lot of education for myself. I have to provide opportunities for education for all of our folks, um, or find, you know, find the resources to, to, to do that, not do the work, but find that, you know, the external facilitators and that kind of thing. And, um, and then I was doing a lot of like figuring out what are other, what like w- with that long arm and all that content and all those approaches and values that we have, where else can we be doing really quality work and start to grow some of those branches off of the trunk, right? That we're inspired by what's happening here, but it's not tied to what's happening here, meaning here, meaning the stage. Um, and I'm saying this because I feel like while I had, I'm, I'm having a realization in this moment. <laughs> That's what's happening is while I felt like I, I figured out after having very good and some not so good models of like what a director can be of, of this kind of institution, I figured out what my style was, but I didn't necessarily do the deeper work of like, let's relook at this model and see how it can shift and change. And when the pandemic hit, you know, initially the focus was, you know, there was a lot of scrambling and then we came out with a particular, I would say point of view of how to engage in the arts despite like at home, basically regardless of who was learning, who was watching, just like, how do you, how do you play at home? Um, and that, that was a, that was a something for me to be like, and how do we take that idea and not just make it play like not cause it was called break. Right. But actually take, say like, like this is the thing. Like it's not a break. It's the thing that's going to help all these other pieces of what you have to do in this midst of this like very destabilizing time. And that, all of a sudden shifted everything from, from my perspective. And I think shifted for the art, my team. I'm thinking very specifically about the school engagement team. So like really shifted for things for them, shifted things for the teaching artists and another, cause we were working on different platforms and trying to figure out how do we do this? And uh, everything was, well, 
we would we would have done it this way, but how do we do it in this platform? And what do we do? And we don't have material. So what do we have? We have our bodies, we have our hearts, and we have our minds. We got a lot. I just keep think, thinking about like how to support the teaching artists and teachers to like support the kids, right? And so then the, the next progression for me makes sense that like my job went from like running arts core to now trying to do what I same stuff I do, but at like a full city level in support of our district, right? Mm -hmm. um, and through COVID times, like we just spent all of our time and money loving up our educators and teaching artists, right? Yeah. So it's like we pivoted, we made online, you know, videos yeah. like y'all did too. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we pulled teaching artists under the you know, umbrella of essential workers. And we, you know, made sure that they could do that work. Um, and we also like invested a ton of money and time in like support from facilitators like Dr. Bree Hazlip, who, you know, is an intergenerational trauma expert mm. and really does work at the intersection of like social justice and um, intergenerational trauma. And really just gave free workshops to educators wow. through Seattle Public Schools and the arts office um, for community arts partners. And like, what are you feeling and processing? You know, what's coming up in your body and your heart and your mind? How can you like get back in right relationship with yourself to support the kids who also are like reaching out to you for support? Um, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And crafted a year of professional development with that at the heart of it, which is really about pausing for presence, pausing for like truth, mm. um, which was beautiful, just beautiful work. And now this like reconnection back into in person is like a whole new, oh, yeah. a whole new conundrum. And we're the in-person people, but and at the same time it's like oh this feels hard what are some some like clear practices in trauma-informed work i mean i heard you say like focusing on pausing and really checking in with yourself and getting in right relationship with yourself because if you're harmed going in and working with others creates a potential for harming others is what I'm assuming. <laughs> it's the hard, hard work of like decolonizing the mm -hmm. crap we've learned, mm -hmm. wrestling with the internalized like superiority and inferiority we've inherited, um, holding space for each other to be like janky and process that together. So we're not the transmitting it to our students, right? Like the, the clearest thing I think I've learned through intergenerational trauma work with Dr. Bree is around like, trauma is either transformed or transmitted. Like if we're not doing our personal work to like continue to like show up as our best selves, mm -hmm. um, we're bound to transmit it, right? Um, and and yeah, so that that absolutely right overlaps 
the necessary sort of racial justice work we need to be doing um, and and work that has emerged from like liberatory question practices that like we would do at arts core and frameworks around you know that's like social justice framework for teaching artists into the new work that's being been developed with seattle public schools um, around sort of a roots framework they call it and it's taking that those liberatory questions even further into like different strands of like culture and identity and like how we show up and make space for ourselves and our students in that. Um, and really like a huge chunk of what I do and what I care about is just supporting educators and teaching artists like to be the best educators and teaching artists they can be. So that's like through my job at the arts office, through my job as a faculty member with the Washington State Teaching Artists Training Lab, which is this a massive, amazing, program that's been happening for almost 10 years that the NEA helps fund in our state, bringing together really rural teaching artists and really, um, you know, urban teaching artists across the state for this like seven month program that supports their teaching artistry and also has like workshops throughout the year that anybody can attend. Um, and through my work with like the Teaching Artists Guild, like nationally, thinking about like then like the hyper like getting fractal like are we doing what we can do for ourselves in our like very very local community mm. in our city in our state and then like nationally like what is the national conversation about teaching artists like who is doing amazing work right now and how can we cheerlead and amplify that work how can we learn from each other from those best practices and models of like wow look what they're doing in san antonio in new york and oakland right and i'm, I'm really excited by um there's going to be a teaching artist conference coming up in uh, December, yeah. right? That the Teaching Artist Guild is helping do. Um, so all of those connections, like there's alignments in there and there's learnings in all of those, right? Um, but the same components still apply. It's like the arts, love, and justice. Yeah. Like, and how those show up in our, in our teaching and in our communities. I think it's interesting that you, you keep bringing up love actually, because wasn't it in the report that they couldn't figure out how to quantify love, even though the teaching artists were like, we have love. And the, I, you know, and again, I'm just going to go back to Kemi in, in his episode or, or our conversation, he talked about how, you know, we have compounded trauma and um, you know, when you, that empathy, like e EDI work takes or justice work or, or, you know, social justice, racial justice work takes empathy. But when you are have anxiety that decreases empathy, right? So that work that you're talking about, like where we have to work to decolonize in our own coffers and we have to, you know, calm, bring ourselves to a place of peace or as close to peace as possible prior to, or as part of our planning processes to start to work with other learners um that if we are at this high levels of anxiety how are we coming into those spaces with large amounts of empathy love right and, and the and the high quality pieces of 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 the work um and so it's it, i'm finding this really interesting because i um i've been teaching uh, a course at NYU for a very long time and i have over the years brought in more and more social justice, like restorative just uh, healing, restorative justice, 
um, work into the, into the covers. But the thing I realized I, I, I didn't feel like I had enough tools or resources that I understood. I'm sure they existed, but I just didn't know was to do this identity work as part of the decolonizing, you know, and really recognizing and like being more intentional about understanding your privilege your proximity to power, your proximity to whiteness, you know, just understanding those pieces. So you better understand. And when I say better, not like you better understand, but like you can better understand (laughs) who you are when you, or who, or what you represent when you walk into any given space that we're invited into. And so we actually did an exercise with that in my class yesterday. And I was hella nervous to to embark on it and I said you know I I tried to preface it like this is a first draft I've never done this with anybody I'm gonna ask us to do some journaling first before I even show the graphic then we're gonna go through the graphic this is not a perfect graphic it is definitely missing some identity markers but this is the exercise that we're doing for right now (laughs) and I'm gonna do it with you you know so and I've been doing it but it was, it was, it felt height, it felt more heightened to do it with the class, um, in a good way, in a very good way. And, and the kind of, con- I didn't have anybody share out anything that they wrote, but just sort of asked the question about, you know, what was, go- what was bubbling up for you as you were going through this process. Was this like and related to like IA identity buckets, like an identity wheel yes, kind of activity yes, or like exactly. a cultural backpacky kind of thing? No, it was a, it was an identity wheel, yeah. but it was, it was like a little, I, I used a graphic that was used from some other, I could look it up, but they had, they had, you know, cited it from another source. Um, and so it wasn't exactly a wheel it was more of like, it looked like an amoeba, <laughs> but it was still had that, like the power, the, the circle in the center was power and privilege. And then the different categories with the concentric circles leading closer and closer to pa- the power center. Um, and it, it was, it was a fascinating conversation after going through that process of what people felt brave enough to share um, and nobody was, you know, deeply going. And one person actually just like named, like I have, X number of the, of the eight or whatever there were closest to power. And I've never had to think about that. I've never, no, what did, I never thought about that before, which makes me realize I have to start thinking about that. Oh. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Good work. Yeah. 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 I mean, like that needs to happen everywhere. Right. Mm. And, it, and it really is like, that's like so much of the crux of like, so much of my work is like doing that with teaching artists, doing that. It's like at Arts Corps, it was like, we would do that with each other as teaching mm-hmm. artists. And then we we're like, oh, we should do this with our students. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we need to do this with like all of the schools that we work with because we're trying to like create these like, co- you know, communities in our classrooms, but the school isn't supporting that shit, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, oh boy, let's do it there. And then it's like, oh, we have to do it with the PTA that's actually helping fund this because they're using this heck of problematic language to like talk about what the arts are doing and where they want to spend their money in this school and like we should show up at that meeting and we should talk about these things and maybe do a workshop for them it's gonna be interesting especially in this particular moment because we have long relationships with schools that have you know 
some turnover. We're working with different as- different teachers within each of those schools over time, and not all of them, you know, they they vary basically. And so, the 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 challenge, like in what si- inside of what you just said, completely makes sense to me. Where I get tripped up sometimes, and I'm excited to figure out how we can start to parse through these challenges. Um, is the scope or the the breadth of how many types of schools we tend to work with and we don't like what markers have there been in the past to become a partner has those markers are shifting um in accordance to this work and that i'm i i'm in this moment about to have a panic attack to try and figure out how do we do that so you know that's something i need to you know we need to work on but teams of teaching artists do it with you totally it's it's a question of like as we grow our resources what are we growing them for is a is a question i think that yeah um, yeah and to what end right so then you think again. about like and to yeah. what end right so it's and like, like exactly. the goal is like what like we want students to be supported to be able to do the work they need to do so then the school needs to have the similar language and understanding mm-hmm. so that they're supporting our mm-hmm. like ideologies and pedagogies to like do that work and then it's like oh and then the community of like funders and supporters who are doing that so that they're also aligned so that we're actually all like synced up with a common goal and that goal you know it goes beyond just the arts learning that's happening right, right? that goal is like it's like yeah social change that goal is you know freedom and liberation that goal is you know, all young people having access to this and being like creating the, the, the future that we all deserve, that they deserve, okay. you know? I'm loving this. Yup. <laughs> yup. Yup. I just keep remembering us standing by that bronze pig. how cool you are. You, you've given me a lot to think about. Uh, and, you know, I've been a little bit like head down in the moment and I'm realizing, oh, it's, you gotta, you gotta be looking up a little bit more and thinking about how do we start to build, um, build the phases of, of this work more concretely to just sort of, I don't know, create a, uh, a visualized roadmap for this work. Cause it is, deep intensive important exciting yep um necessary necessary absolutely yeah yeah it's all justice work for me it's all justice work tell me tell me in your own words what what is justice work for somebody who may not know i mean majority of my work is right it's like it's my my job is arts education but really it's education justice it's making sure that all young people have the access they deserve to arts learning and why arts learning because we know that all of the benefits of what the arts teaches and right now you know in seattle and nationally race family income home language free reduced lunch status ell status right these are the things that 
actually determine whether or not you have access to arts learning. And that's messed up. And it has been that way for a really long time. And even my initiative, which is helping correct for that, right, is still like not able to like completely eradicate that because we are operating within the system of education and within the system of government. And that's all fraught and unjust too. Like, so many generations have been cut out of what they have been owed and what they deserve that even when I'm talking to like parents um, and others about like why a levy should have to pass right so that we make sure we have more funding for this in right. the school or whatever right they're like what I don't understand I don't know because there's public schools and private schools, right? Because right. In each each thread you start to like look at, like, and keep going upstream of like, what is the real cause of this again? What? Oh, oh right, injustice. Oh, Justice, right. Power right. hoarding. Yeah. Resource inequity. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like right now, it's like if you, especially after the COVID year, I feel like right there's a, a lot more exodus from public schools into private oh, yeah. schools, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we know what that does to our communities. So we're leaving big chunks of, of, of people behind. And that's been happening for a really long time. And it can't happen. We're leaving big chunks of people behind because the less, the less student population, the less funding they get from the federal is that what you mean? Uh, because we don't care about all children. Ah, ah, yes. No, no, this nation does not care about kids at all. I mean, even there were years ago, I went to a meeting at a very large funder. And at the time we were talking about sort of like why the arts matter. And we were trying to using language and research around sort of like leadership skills it was a thing that like the arts was doing a lot they were using sort of the terminology of like building leaders and leadership you know kind of attributes um and this funder um said but don't you work predominantly with black and brown you know like with like kids of color like yeah we focus a lot of our efforts <laughs> with kids of color because mm -hmm. they've been cut out of many of these opportunities like within school and out of school time and um, they were like, well, not everybody gets to be a leader. And like, really like the scales fell from my eyes, like, oh, oh. And I was like, well, what about, you know, the leader of your life, your family your whatever? Like, yeah, not everybody has the same opportunities and that's what we're talking about. But like, wow. I really, I found myself saying back, but this is America. Like there was this thing in me that was like, what are you saying? And I realized, I mean, obviously they had a very like specific idea. Yes. Very classist, very elitist. They had a very specific perspective of what elite they're thinking CEOs. They're thinking this, which is of course. People, racist, certain classist. people are cultivated mm -hmm. to be leaders. Yes. And the system is in place to ensure that that happens. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, for me, this is like, this is like life work really now. I mean, it's been 30 years. I'm doing the same work. 
as a teaching artist and as an arts administrator in my community here in Seattle. It's all been the same. And it really is all fighting against uh, these persistent baked in inequities for greater justice. And maybe some folks don't see their work, you know, in the arts as justice work, um, but they should. What happened? Okay, so say say you're like that 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 question comes up, and you make you argue a case, and somehow you change that that person's brain and heart, and and now now you know years in the years later these inequities are starting to shift and they they're continuing to shift over time like what i i continue to wonder like i i think i i what i want is i want to know <laughs> i want to know because i i i want to know how far we have to go what 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 does you know racial justice like we when we are in a just world racially just we've got freedom like true liberation true freedom what does that look like like what are we actually striving for i understand all the obstacles i understand all that i'm still trying to understand what are we looking to create It's a big question. And I like, there's a part of me that's cynical that's like, I can't even imagine it because it's so like, far from what we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and at the same time, like, no, of course we have the radical imagination to imagine that. Right. Of course we have that. And all of our, all of our like hearts and minds and like possibility is tied into that. Yeah. It means like, excellent education for everybody. It means no prisons, right? It means um, true accountability and rehabilitation for everyone. It means, you know, sufficient food and, and housing and, and um, job opportunities. It means that nobody's like skills and talents are wasted. It means that everybody gets to contribute to like imagining together um, you know, the sort of loving culture that our, you know, world could be. And it sounds Pollyanna-ish, right? But fuck that, it's the hardest work possible. Yeah. This is the warrior work. The warrior work, Tell, talk more about that. Well, I just think like, I tie this to like, <laughs> This is my kind of spirituality, I guess. Like I was, I went to 12 years of Catholic school, but some of like the greatest like social justice thinkers I, I learned about were like people like Dom Helder of Camara, who was like this Brazilian priest who his quote was like, you know, when I feed the poor, they call me a saint. But when I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist, mm-hmm. right? So this is where it's like, like, the rubber meets the road of like philanthropy versus change or like arts, like arts education, like which gets talked about in certain ways, like a frill or whatever. And like, and like liberation. 
like it, it requires a level of like creative risk-taking support and nourishment, right? To, to, to build, to plan, to speak the truth. Like these are big things, which is probably why artists, you know, get cut out or killed in some communities. I love it. I, I, my brain, my brain is like firing. It's firing. Speak the truth. So all we yeah. can have is drive every day to like decolonize that shit. Show up in our truths individually. Mm -hmm. And then in solidarity with each other to build the thing that we all deserve. You're saying great quotes, by the way. Build the thing we all deserve. Well, I mean, don't we? Yeah. And I know we're all tired and it's harder than ever to see it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's also an opportunity right now, right? And the door is closing on that opportunity. Yeah. Like the door always closes. But like right now, there's there's some federal money coming for different kinds of things. Um, there you know, we're all too tired to be like our best creative selves, but on a good day. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, coming, yeah, coming at this even like bringing your authentic self, but you know, even when things were at, at very dark places, I, I feel like for me, at least I've been like, I gotta bring the, I gotta, I gotta be true to who I am. And I come at things from a place of joy, even when they are hard. And sometimes that can that could potentially ring off from for others uh, unintentionally, but true. So I appreciate like that this is hard work, and I appreciate when you know we stumble because it's an opportunity to learn. But I also am not gonna apologize for like laughing, <laughs> enjoying myself, and <laughs> connecting with people that I want to connect with, right? And having a drink, or you know, and I don't think people are saying you can't do those things. But like when we sometimes when we talk about this work, it seems like it is so hard, and like it's like oof, and you know, but we have to do the work. The like you said, the warrior work is about you know thwacking away and intentionally thwacking away and 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 um in order to clear something so that there can be a forward momentum to make change and that i from what i think i heard you say is that arts is the vehicle for helping to make that change it's not frill it's not just like this other thing it's not elitist it's 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 it is the um a very particular and powerful vehicle for message making, for storytelling, for expressing, for speaking truth. It has been, it has like been here with us historically, right? It is mm. like we are a product of this moment, but we are in a lineage of, of this. Mm. It is the truest thing we have, right? It's like coming together to tell stories, to hear each other's mm. stories, to like analyze, like, like, the common truths in that and like the moral and what we should like be striving toward right um yeah 
it represents us. It is like the ultimate, you know, it's where we make meaning of the cultures we inherited and the cultures Ooh. we're creating together. I'm conscious of time. I want you to have, you know, dinner. We're on different coasts. Um, <laughs> um, so we are winding down, but um, is there anything that you want to ask me or want to know from me? I'm sort of uh, a fangirl of yours as well. This has been like a mutual appreciation society moment. Um, what made you start doing these? The podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the podcast has been around for five years, I think. Um, and I originally wanted to write a book of some sort, but I didn't want it to be academic because that's not really who I am, I think. And I knew that I wanted to have interviews as part of it, and I got really excited about figuring out, well, what kinds of questions would I ask people and who would I talk to and how would I highlight them? And isn't it cool, like who these folks are. Ooh. But then, you know, often in a book you have to like strip down or pare down, you know, you're just using quotes and sound bites. You're not actually able to share the entire conversation. And I feel like I have cool conversations with people. Um, and then I knew somebody who was, a uh, um, who already had like was an indie podcaster. So I started asking questions of, of him and, and brought him into this like little, like Courtney world of like, what if this, and what if that, it could it be a podcast and um, it evolved from there. And I would say if you, if you listen to the first episode, which was him, the producer Ben um, interviewing me and you listen to like this or the last episode, very different kinds of questions, very different kind of journey. And so the podcast has definitely evolved with me and the kinds of questions that I'm asking of myself of the field of my work. Um, but the biggest thing that I think is really exciting, the thing that I like the most, honestly, is I love talking about the, you know, like the field now and how we can grow. And I, but I really love hearing people's stories and I love to know who and how they were as a kid, because I, I really believe that that there's something very inherent inside of that, that makes us make some or helps us to make some of the choices that we make that get us to the place that we are in the moment that I'm talking to them. Awesome. I really, I just really value this opportunity to like reflect actually verbally while mm. talking to you. You ask great questions and um, I don't know, I'm at this like little reflective moment uh, 30 years into my career here in Seattle. Um, and it's good to be reminded the work stays the same. The work stays the same. Just looks slightly different platform. Mm -hmm. different. It's good. Yeah, I think I think what I there's another thing that I've been thinking about. Um uh something I've 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 quoted and heard time and again from um one of my like most favorite people and has been a guest on this podcast a lot, Ty Defoe, who's an indigenous facilitator, community artist, and um he talks about how what we're creating now, you need to be thinking about creating something, things now for seven generations into the future. And that, that idea is part of what I'm trying to think or, or have present when I'm doing the work that I'm doing now. And how do I create space 
change now for the future when I'm not at that particular institution, I, I, you know, um, and in the world. So, um, that I think this podcast has also helped me to, you know, ask questions that I couldn't or wasn't necessarily, um, finding space for within my institution at the time. And now I think it's very much reciprocating, (laughs) you know, the kinds of conversations I have here have absolute influence over the things that happen inside my institution and, and within the work that I do or under what's under my portfolio and vice versa. And I, sometimes I'm like wrestling with something, you know, from that, like you heard me just now, like being like, I see good work that's happening, but I'm trying to figure out like what, what, how do I like support what's happening now, knowing or creating some sort of roadmap. So people feel good about where we're about to go. Um, is something that I, I wasn't necessarily thinking about in great depth before, but sort of new. And then it was like, Oh, actually like you got to get on that, <laughs> you know? And so this conversation has helped give me some sparks for thinking about how to do that. Awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Aww. I appreciate you so much. Yeah. I just appreciate all the, like the field based work that you do. I love the really deep work that you do on the sort of macro and the micro level. Um, and I love the people that you like hang with, like the people that you know, the people that you surround yourself with. Like I want to, I want to be like a fly on the wall whenever Tina's like in a meeting. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, that's awesome. I, I, everybody's work is as good as like the work of their colleagues. Right. It's like, I feel really lucky to like, I don't know. Just want to hang out with the people who are inspired um, and joyful about um, collaborating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have more conversations, but um, the, oh yeah, oh definitely. There's there's no stopping us. <laughs> um, I want to thank you so much for taking this time. Like this very delightful, insightful time with me. Um, that's it. Thank you for listening to episode 46, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Tina LaPadula, Warrior Work. Join us next time for a conversation with Rachel Jacobs. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the director of creative content. Jonna Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry, the gram at teaching artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube, check out the teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud and Spotify, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.